Welcome back to Resilience by Faith podcast, where we share stories and topics that give God the glory. And it's talked about in a modern way where people of all ages can relate to. So come on in because we have a lot to catch up on. And welcome back to Resilience by Faith podcast with Reese Jordan. Today, we are being joined by a very special guest. His name is Alan Black, and he took the time out to come share some time with us today and to share his story of resilience. How are you doing, Alan? I am doing well on this wonderful evening. Yes. It's really an honor to be here with you. Every time I, I get a chance to do interview of some sort. I really consider it a great honor. I really do. So I'm very, very, very thankful for this honor. Thank you. Thank you. And it's an honor to have you. And I have been doing my little research. I checked out your website and I saw you wrote two books and all the things. So we're going to have some questions for you today. Um, (laughs) Yes. Well, where, where are you located right now? I am in Omaha, Nebraska. And for those people who have no idea where that is, Nebraska is pretty much in the middle of the United States. Uh Omaha is the largest city in this state. And we want to put to rest rumors and misconceptions. Matt Dillon and Miss Kitty are not walking up down the streets anymore. Okay. We have running water and electricity and internet, as you can see. And the population of Omaha is with the suburbs close to about a half a million. Wow. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I have never, ever been to the middle United States. I think all my life I've been East Coast. I had one chance where we went over to California to visit my... Mm, 22 cousins. Yep. My brother, my my father, not father, Lord, have mercy. my grandfather had two brothers and they both had 11 kids apiece. So wow. we, yeah. So and my grandpa came from a family of 13 himself because they used to work on the farm. And so we went all the way out there to, and we, there was impossible for us to get everybody together during the time we went, but it was pretty nice to see the West coast. And I see what a lot of people love about it. Of course, the beach and everything, but whoa, boy, boy, it was nice. But the middle of the United States, so the coldness um, and everything else, is it as bad as what people try to make it seem? Like, it's not like Alaska. Y'all don't have huskies and stuff, do you? No, 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 not not that bad. Really and truly, Miss Jordan, when we talk about winter here, winter will probably start kicking in if it runs true the course, probably around the end of November, around December. Now, it'll stay cold probably until mid-April, somewhere in there. Now, it can get cold in the Midwest as far as where Nebraska is right in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. It's not unusual for winter temperatures to get maybe 5 degrees, 10 degrees, maybe 5 to 10 below or something like that. Are you okay, Miss Jordan? I think Are you okay? <laughs> I'm okay. all right. I thought New Jersey was bad. I'm just like, oh, Lord, I don't think I could make it. <laughs> but, but you... Huh? You there, Miss Jordan? Yes, I'm there. See, I think she passed out when she found out how cold it was. Well, it's just something you, you just get used to now. I think it was back in February of 21. Uh-huh. Now, that was as bad as it got because I think that day it got down to 23 below. But you people, you, you Miss Jordan, you just get used to it. You have to deal with it. And if our theme is about being resilient and pressing on, you bundle up. And you just keep on going. Just, That's just how it is. Yes. I mean, it's no different. Now, we're not as bad as Minneapolis, which is six hours to the north of us, Uh-oh. or the upper Midwest, where you're talking about, say, Michigan. Yeah. Like in the Detroit area. Okay, now that's totally different. <clears throat> but the same principle applies. You, you know what you have to deal with. You just say, okay, I can't let it stop me from doing what it is I need to do. Right. And you just power through it. It's just the way it is. So, I mean, for us, snow will be 
may come at the end of November. It could last as long as maybe through the end of April. But you just have to deal with it and you can't let it stop you. I've been here often on most of my life and we know what's coming. Yes. We know how to prepare for it. Now, we're not going to sit and tell you we like being cold because most people don't like being cold. I know I don't. Right. But hey, you got to deal with it. You got to do what you got to do. You got to handle your business. Right. And I was just about to ask you, did you live there your whole life or were you born in Nebraska or kind of how did you end up there? Well, I was born here in Nebraska when I left to go to school. I went to University of Nebraska, which is in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is about 50 miles from here. But then I left there. I lived in Atlanta for a while, lived in Denver and Illinois, spent a lot of time traveling and everything. And eventually I, I came back home because this is home. So I've been very blessed as far as being able to travel domestically mm-hmm. as much as I have wanted to. And so at some point you do have to settle down. Family is here. Friends are here. Uh Personal relationships, business relationships and everything here. So home is home. I mean, I've never been a big advocate of people saying, well, I have to move somewhere else to go and find what I'm looking for. Well, okay, that might be true in a lot of cases, but I've always been of the opinion, Ms. Jordan, that you have to make what you have into what it is that you need. That's right. And so it's been my attitude. It doesn't work for everybody. I'm not going to profess that it does, but I've made it work for me. I've been very blessed to connect with some fabulous people on different projects and everything. So this is home. I, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. I'm too old to move. So that ain't happening. So I'm just. I'm here, but I'm good. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm perfectly content with with where I am. Okay. Okay. Well, I love it. I'm I'm calling from Texas. I'm in from Texas. I just moved here maybe like a year and five months ago. So I haven't been here long. Um, before Texas, I was in Virginia. And before that, I was in South Carolina and I was born in New Jersey. So I've been a, a little bit of everywhere, but I don't plan on moving anymore. I think I'm going to stay in Texas. Lord help me. Okay. <laughs> Now, what part of Texas are you in? I'm in the north of Dallas area. So I'm like maybe 30, 40 minutes away from Dallas. I'm in Plano. Okay, yes. I've heard of Plano, yes. I have. I think one of my college friends is not that far from the Plano area, if I remember correctly. Okay, okay. Yes. Well, I like to do this thing, uh, since we're talking about resilience. I don't know how active you are on social media or if you've seen the trend that is is kind of like how it started versus how it's going. And I wanted to ask, as it pertains to your faith, because I saw your website um, and everything you talk about, about leaving an impact on the world and why you do what you do and um, what faith is to you and how important it is for you. How did your faith start versus how it's going? Like when did, um, when did God meet you where you were? And then uh, how would you describe where you are in your faith today? Well, I think like most people, the, the faith journey began with a strong church background. And so I believe firmly that that establishes the foundation of what it is that you're going to build on and you're going to live with and grow through as you start to get older. So that part of the journey has always been very foundational as far as how did it start and where did it start? Now, I do think that all things being equal, there was a moment in 1990, I'll never forget, where it really began to turn into another direction. And I'll, I'll explain why. I, I was, we were on a church cruise. Mm-hmm. And about 50 people from our church, we were in the Bahamas. And I'll never forget, Ms. Jordan, I remember one morning I got up and I went on on deck, just on top of, and just kind of hung out there early in the morning. Probably about 7 o'clock in the morning or so, something like that. And I just happened to be looking over the ocean. And at that moment, it really struck me for some reason. I said, you know what? You can't even see from one end of the of the water to the other. Right. And it, it kind of stunned me because I thought, wow, you know, God, this is just amazing. 
And I compare that in my mind to the vastness which we cannot process about how great God is. And I really think when I look back, that was a moment where it began to turn and began to move in a different direction. I think one of the great things about the church experience is that it's a corporate experience for each and every one of us. But there comes a point in time on your journey when it has to be less corporate. And I believe it has to be more individual. It has to be more personal. And so I'm looking back now at that moment in 1990 where the corporate side of it was still strong, but it began more of a desire, a thirst for, say, the personal side, the personal development of the relationship. That's what really came into focus at that time. So I'm looking back at that moment now, and I realize that it was for a particular reason that I had that moment on deck where it really just hit me about what I was dealing with. And it's ironic because that was in 1990, and then in 1997, late 97, I remember I was diagnosed with colon cancer. Mm -hmm. And so... That was really a really critical moment in my life because I knew that going into the journey with the colon cancer, I said, well, you know, God, this is going to be, it's going to be a difficult journey because I knew going into it, Ms. Jordan, that there were going to be some dark moments and some very dark valleys that I was going to have to go through. But I remember telling God, I said, okay, we, we can do this and we have to do this. So that was a journey that took about two years or so to get through. Uh, If we're talking about resiliency, it was to the point where I can remember after the surgery, I had complications from the surgery. I wound up dealing with some temporary paralysis. I had to learn to walk again, learn to write the motor skills and everything like that. But, you know, I, I remember I just kept thinking, well, I'm going to get through this. Because I felt like at that point, if God has spared my life for a reason, then it was my responsibility to not just cave and throw in the towel. I knew that, okay, yeah, this is bad because I think I wound up losing in the process of that two-year journey. I think I lost about 70 pounds uh, because of the cancer and the after effects of it. But I just said, you know what? I can't can't stop. I've got work to do. I've got things that I need to be doing. And I knew in my heart that God spared me for a reason and for a season as well. So I just said, okay, it's all about being resilient, which is ironic because it's one of my favorite words about how are you going to bounce back and continue to bounce back and not just kind of say, well, I just can't do it anymore. And I understand people are going to say that you just can't do it anymore. We all have those moments. But being resilient has always been something for me that's been very, very foundational because I just had to keep bouncing back and bouncing back and bouncing back because of health issues I've had as a child outside of the cancer. I can remember at five or six years old, Mm -hmm. constantly dealing with asthma, severe asthma, pneumonia constantly. And I can remember also at eight years old, I was in the hospital and I was laying in bed and the nurses thought I was asleep. I was just laying there with my eyes closed and one of the nurses came in and she said, well, and she didn't know I I was awake. She just said it out loud. She said, well, you know, he seemed like a nice young man. It's just going to be too bad when he's gone. And I knew what she meant. She was talking about that I was going to die. And so, Ms. Jordan, I thought to myself when I heard her say that, I said, "Uh, no, that ain't happening. No. I'm eight years old. I got stuff to do. Okay. Right. I'm like, I, no, I said, I'm not leaving this world at eight years old. I said, God, I know I ain't ready to go die at eight years old. And so <clears throat> they were amazed that I managed to power through that and got back to a fairly normal type of lifestyle. But part of that's just due to the fact that <clears throat> I'm looking back now and it's almost like genetically, if this makes sense. It's been infused in my DNA because of my grandmother, who in the late 30s was diagnosed with polio. Uh And I remember my mother telling me that 
they put my grandmother, my sister not grandmother, in an iron lung. <clears throat> and they told her she would be in that lung for the rest of her life. She would never walk. She could never do anything again. Mm-hmm. And Miss Jordan, she told them, Doctor, she said, uh, y'all can say what you want, but I'll be out of here shortly. <laughs> I love that. And within, within about a year or so, she was out of that lung. Okay. And she went on to live a very, very fulfilling life. She had to get around on a cane and everything and a walker. But now that I'm looking back, I can see where that that commitment to fight yes. has come from my grandmother. Because at eight years old, they told me that I would I would die. I was like, no, I'm not. At, at, at 42, when I was dealing with cancer in 97, it didn't look good. But I said, no, I'm not done. Uh, back in January 2021, I was critically injured in a car accident where I wound up with bleeding on the brain and a severe concussion because a guy ran a red light. And... They were talking about maybe 30 minutes after the accident because I was unconscious for most of the uh, recovery mm-hmm. at the hospital. They worried about whether or not I was going to have paralysis or whatever. They had me in a neck brace. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'm in a neck brace right now, but we're going to get through this. Yes. And the next day I was on a walker. My ankle was all swollen up like a baseball. And I told them nurses that next day after the accident, I said, Y'all need to get me a walker because I got stuff to do. Yes. I got to get up and start walking because I was used to walking about six or 7,000 steps a day. And they were like, well, it's going to be painful for you to walk. I said, I'll get through it. Yeah. Because my grandma's DNA has been poured into me that you will not stop. You get knocked down, but you got to get back up. Yes. And so that's really been a theme throughout most of my life when I'm starting to really look back is the fact that yeah, I've been knocked down a hundred times, but I've got to keep getting back up. Right. I just I just won't lay down. I, I can't. And the reason I can't, Miss Jordan, is because this might sound strange. For me not to get back up, I think dishonors my elders. Yeah. Because of what they went through. Mm-hmm. I owe them that much and much more. And I just can't stop because they didn't stop. Right. And they were dealing with circumstances way beyond anything that I dealt with, just in terms of the time period, the issues of segregation, right. of racism and things like that. But they didn't give up. Mm-hmm. So who would I be to just get to a point where I said, <clears throat> I just don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I quit. Right. I can't mm-hmm. do that. I owe it to them not to stop until I'm placed in a position where life just stops me, period. Right. But if that's the case, then okay then yeah, life won because it stopped me. It's going to stop all of us at some point, but up until that point in time, I can't stop. I've got things to do. Yes, and my mom always jokes at me. Uh, She always tells my birth story like every mom does, and she always says, I was supposed to be born in December. I came September 27th, and she was like, I don't know why she came early, and I always tell my mom, I had stuff to do, mom. I had things to go, places to go, people to see, like I had things to learn. And now looking, I mean, looking back on my life, I'm only 20. I just turned 28, but I, for a 28 year old, I have done a lot. And I was like, mom, I had things I had to do. And she, she laugh about it now, but she was like, you were my, what'd she say? Three pounder with cheese. I was only three pounds. But yes, uh, that's what came to mind when I heard you say you had things to do. I was like, I had things to do too. (laughs) Absolutely. And that is something that is, when we're talking about resiliency, Mm -hmm. we're talking about what I call the intangibles. Yes. Intangibles, Miss Jordan, are going to be resiliencies, the commitment, your passion, your vision. Yes your mindset, things like that. Those are things that ultimately are going to make the difference, I feel, in my, my lifetime experience, as far as you, you being successful. Those are things that you can't touch or feel or even smell. Right. But you just know what they are. And when you possess them, that's what really keeps you moving forward. And it will keep you moving forward to the point where the reality of the situation is 
other people may not understand how or why you keep going forward. But the truth of the matter is, Miss Jordan, it's not for them to understand because sometimes people just cannot understand what keeps you moving forward. It's something on the inside mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. maybe you can't even express or articulate, right. but you just know what it is in there that makes you keep going even when you don't feel like going. Right. And I think that that sums it up and put a nice little bow on top because that that's the God honest truth. I mean, it's not for people to understand. No. Um, and I don't, I don't think people would, it's not meant for them to understand. Um, no. something is coming to mind, but I can't, I can't quite remember it, but I, but I remember it. It's something in the Bible where the Lord was talking and he was just like, it's not meant for you to understand. I know he says, my thoughts are not, you know, your thoughts are not yeah. my thoughts, but it was something else that happened. And he was like, you're not, it's not meant for you to understand. Or um, when he's telling his parables or when he's telling the stories and some people get it, some people don't. And it's just like, why don't you just say what you need to say? Why do you keep talking this way? Um, and it's like, you know, it's not meant for you to understand or my time have not come yet. And all the things that God said, but it, it's just a, it's a connection thing. It's a purpose thing. And I just feel it like is. it's just not meant for everybody to understand. No, it's not. Mm -mm. And we have to be mindful of the fact that that's not a bad thing. No. It's just the way it is. And if they don't understand, we just keep moving. Yeah. And we don't take it personal. Right. I'll give you a great example. My background, which led to becoming an author, cool. is in music as a lyricist. I write the words for the songs. Uh -huh. So that's my real passion, passion. So one day I was showing some stuff to my cousin, some songs that I had been a co-writer on. I was really excited and everything. And I was hyped. I was like, yeah, cuz, like, this is what this is, and this is what it is. And you know what? I looked over at him, and he was like, <sighs> he had fell asleep. He was, he was gone. He was asleep. And the first two or three seconds, I was really hurt yeah. because he fell asleep on me. Right. But then I realized, wait a minute. This isn't his passion. Right. This isn't his thing. So I couldn't be mad because it just, it doesn't move him the way it moved me. Uh -huh. Because sometimes when you're explaining your passion to somebody, they may fall asleep literally. Yes. Or they may just fall asleep mentally because they're looking at you like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And again, it's not for them to understand. You and you alone have the capacity to understand what your passion is and identifying it with your purpose. Right. Again, some people will get it. Some people won't. In the case of my cousin, I love him to death. He's like my brother. Me explaining my love for music and, and the words and the storyline just went zoom right, right over his head. Bless his heart. It, it just he fell asleep. And he was gone. I, I just I let him sleep. I just left the room and let him sleep. I said, you know what, cuz I ain't even mad at you. Nope. Because I know this is just not you. I, I I get it. I get it. Well, I would definitely say um, you gave us a lot to think on, and you gave you made a you dropped a lot of gems to help out the audience. But I want to ask you, um, before I forget, tell us about your two books. Like, at what point throughout your faith, you did you start writing books? How, how far apart in the years are the books? Or what led you to write the books? Because I know you said writing as a lyricist is your passion. So what led you to books? Oh, that is probably... A hard question to answer because the answer as such is kind of confusing. It's hard to process still because, Miss Jordan, my background is as a lyricist. I have been doing lyrics for songs, collaborating with musicians, keyboard players, cool. 30, 40 years or so. Uh -huh. That's my passion, passion. 
And so that's what I've always wanted to do and I've continued to do. But then this really strange thing began to happen in 2015 where God had a new thing for me. Yeah. And he moved me into the direction of becoming an author. And this is where the story gets kind of scary in a way because I remember I was at my part-time job because I'm basically retired. I just work part-time just to stay busy. Mm-hmm. And so in the mornings where I'm at, I'm doing hotel reservations and everything. So like from 6 in the morning until about 10. No, I take that back. 6 to about 8 is really slow because I'm in the Midwest, so we're an hour behind the East Coast. Yes. Uh, California is two hours behind us. So we don't really get cranked up until about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. But anyway, I remember I'm sitting there at my computer. It's slow. It's about 6.15 in the morning. I didn't really have anything to do. And so I guess I just started what you would call freestyling. I just started writing out some different thoughts and everything in terms of looking back over my life with my relationship and my walk with God. And I remember, Miss Jordan, I finished up with like two or three short kind of inspirational slash devotional mm-hmm. kind of essays. And I'll never forget this. I remember I finished up the first two, and this was for my first book called Here I Am, Lord. And I got up from my desk, went and got some water, came back, and I couldn't remember what I'd written. And it's, it scared me. It really scared me because... I was like, okay, I'm looking around where well, I know I wrote this, right? but I could not recall writing it, if that makes sense. And so this happened a, a third time and a fourth time. And so by the fourth time, I was really getting really concerned because I'm thinking something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, a pastor. And so I said, well, tell me what's going on here. I described to him what's going on about me writing and not being able to recall what I was writing afterwards. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, okay, Alan, here's the big question. Are you going to be open to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do? And I said, "Uh, maybe. And I said, maybe, because honestly, I wasn't really ready for what I was being led to do. I'm just keeping it real here. Yeah. And he said, well, okay, so just, just be obedient and let's see where this goes. And so I said, okay. And I said, just like that, I'm not going to jump up and say, man, I told God I'm all in. Let's do this thing and let's make this thing happen. That would be a lie because I'm like, okay, God, this is not my comfort zone. Right. This is not an arena that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? And so I remember I kept writing and writing and writing throughout 2015. And then a friend of mine, I let her read one of the essays. She says, well, this is good. So she said, why don't you write for a Christian blog? Honest to goodness, true. I asked her, I said, what's a blog? I, I didn't know what a blog was. This is 2015. I'm, I'm, I'm older. I'm in my six, I'm 60 years old at that time. So uh-huh. She said, well, this is what a blog is, so this is what you need to do. So I came home, I researched on Google to find out what a blog is. I'm being very serious. Yes. So I said, okay, well, I'll send off a couple sample essays to some Christian blogs and see what they say. Mm-hmm. I got about 12 or 13 straight no's, which I expected. And so I said, okay, God, uh, this ain't going nowhere, but I'm going to send out one more just so we can say we tried. Right. And to my utter disbelief, I remember I sent one of my essays to a blog in Singapore called Christian Blessings. And to my other shock, the the editor wrote me back the next day in email. She said, I like this. I want you to write for me. And I read the email. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. First of all, I don't even know what I'm doing. Number one. And number two, I'm still not sure what a blog is. And I'm being very sick because you got to remember, you're 28. When this whole transformation started, Miss Jordan, I was 60 years old. Right. Six zero. I'm only like your grandpa's age, okay? Yeah. So 
this is totally shocking. So she's saying to me, I want you to write for my blog and write for my blog monthly. Monthly. And I'm looking at her like, are you kidding me? I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean, I barely know what Singapore is on a map, let alone trying to write for somebody overseas. Yeah. So I'll never forget. She said, and this was in January 2016. I'll never forget. She said, January 2016 begins a whole new year. Right. I need you to write something to kind of kick off the new year for my readers. Mm-hmm. And it has to be 300 words. I almost fell out of my chair. I thought, I cannot write an essay for 300 words. It might as well have been 3,000. And, and part of this, what I want the audience to get is the fact that in the process of me going through these steps, I was being transformed because right. my faith as such was very shaky in the beginning simply because I'm going into a whole new arena I know nothing about. So to me, it's a natural response for me to say, oh, I'm not sure about this. This is a little over my my head. I'm not, this is on my lead. So when she said, you need to come up with a 30, 300 word essay for January, 2016, I was racking my brain. I was like, what am I going to come up with? And I'll never forget December 27th of 2015, I was writing back home. Uh And there's a song that comes on that we do uh, New Year's Eve called Old Lang Syne. Uh Part of the lyrics talks about will old acquaintances be forgotten. Yep. It hit me. And now that I look back, there was that connection at that moment between my lyrical side and my soon-to-be authorship side because it dawned on me, I said, that's it. It's old acquaintances. And so that became my first article for Christian Blessings in Singapore uh, for my first book, wow. Here I Am, Lord. And what Old Acquaintance is about, to just kind of give you a summation, uh-huh. as we begin a new year, what are some of the old acquaintances that we want to get rid of? Is it like procrastination? Mm-hmm. Is it like, say, fear, which, which was my case? Right. Is it like getting rid of that response whereby you start to work out for two weeks and then you quit? Yes. Is it like, say, stop smoking, whatever it is, what's that old acquaintance that you need to get rid of? Mm -hmm. And so thematically, that's the point I was trying to make when I came up with old acquaintances to begin a new year. Each of us have something Mm -hmm. that we need to get rid of. Are we going to make the commitment to follow through? Right. And make that old acquaintance something that we remove from our life. And so I actually wound up writing for Christian Blessings for five years every month, which was amazing. And in the process of doing that during that time, I managed to get my my first book out called Here I Am, Lord, which came out in May of 2017. And I'll never forget when the book came together and it appeared on Amazon, I remember... I just sat there that first night. I just stared at the book. And I was staring at the book not because I felt like I was all that in a bag of chips because that's not the case. I was staring at the book, Ms. Jordan, because I could not believe that you did this, that I had done this. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was so naive at that time that when I told my friends that I've written my first book, they were all excited. They were hyped and they were like, hey. Oh man, I got to come to the book signing, get a picture. You got to sign my book. And then I got off the phone. I was like, what's a book signing? I don't even know what that is. Yes. And I, I told my sister, I don't know why I have to have a book sign because it's just me. Right. Which that didn't go over well. She was like, well, you have to have a book sign because people want the book signed. I'm like, why? It's just me. No. I mean, they've known me all my life. I'm just a regular person who somehow wrote a book. Yeah. But. I went on and I did the first book signing, and then I'll never forget, after the first book, Here I Am, Lord, I said, okay, God, I won't go back to my music now because that's really what my passion is, so right. you got you got a book out of me, so that's good, but now I won't go and do what I want to do. Right. So God didn't pay no attention to that <laughs> He never does. <laughs> Just completely, completely ignored a man. He was like, no. We have another book that we need to do. Yes. 
And so the second book came out in the summer of 2019 called In the Spirit Intended. Uh And that book actually earned me recognition as a best-selling author on Amazon in July of 2019. I'm still amazed by that. Uh And so from that point forward, I've also written and released my third book, which is an e-book, which is called Just a Closer Walk. And so I'm at the point now I've released three books. Mm-hmm. I still look back, and this has been a seven-year journey. We started in 2015, and we're now in 2022, uh-huh. <clears throat> to be at the point where I have three books, and I'm a three-time Christian author. Yes. And I can honestly say to, to our audience that none of this was planned. In fact, one of the chapters in my third book, just to close a walk, I close out that book with a chapter called Journey Unexpected. Yes. And that is really about the fact that as I reflect back over this seven-year period, mm-hmm. all of this that has happened as far as becoming a Christian author and doing things like interviews and things like this, all of this was totally unexpected. Right. But the reason for it, as much as anything, is simply the fact that when God called me to do it, I said, okay, I'm going to give this a try. Again, I'm not going to jump up and say, man, I embraced this challenge and I ran with it and I was going 100 miles an hour. Uh That would be a lie. But I was learning in this transformational process to be obedient Mm -hmm. and to trust God as far as where he's taken me. And so I think that's really the overriding theme of this seven-year period Mm-hmm. As far as getting to a point where I've done three books is to to be obedient and to, to trust God that it's going to work. And, and I can say point blank to the audience that age is not a determination on when you're going to do something. Because all of this, like I said before, uh-huh. This whole seven-year period started when I just turned 60 back in 2015. I'm 67 now. So for me to start down the road becoming an author at age 60, that should tell everybody that, you know what? God is not a respecter of our age. That doesn't mean anything to him. He's going to call you to do what he's calling you to do if you're going to answer and be obedient. It doesn't matter what your age is. Uh, I've seen on some different websites that I, I belong to, I think I saw one gentleman who was 81. He released his first book earlier this year. And I was just, I, I was like, yeah, I was clapping. And I was like so happy about that because it told me that, you know what? He never gave up on his dream or his calling. Right. And if nothing else, in spite of everything, he continued to be resilient and continued to press on to get to the point where he got this book out. So I also say to the audience that, if you have a calling or you have a purpose, continue to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Don't let it slip through your fingers because you don't want to get to a point where one day you look back and you say, man, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done it. Because that's, that's haunting mm-hmm. and it's not something that you want to deal with. So if you're in a position to do it, go for it. It's not going to be easy, but because of those intangibles like your passion your commitment, your resiliency, a lot of times those are going to be determining factors to really get you to where you want to go. And hey, if I could do this starting at age 60, now up at age 67, completely shocking myself as far as getting to this point, hey, y'all, if I could do it, believe in yourself, trust in God that you can get it done as well. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to network. Connect with people because what you may not know, what may not be your strong suit, you can connect with somebody else who knows exactly how this needs to be done. Right. I'm I'm a writer. I don't know anything about, say, formatting books or anything like that, but I connected with people who knew how to format, who knew how to do the editing, things like that. So it's about building a collaborative relationship with other people to get you from A to Z. Don't think you have to do it by yourself. You're not in this alone. So please don't think that. Make that commitment and see that it will come true. Because one thing about this, Ms. Jordan, Mm -hmm. 
you're not just doing it for yourself. Right. Because other people are watching and they're seeing what it is that you're doing. And by your commitment and your follow through, your success inspires them to continue to press on and do what it is that they've been called to do. Right. Because people are watching us whether we realize it or not. Mm -hmm. We don't even know they're watching us sometimes, but they're watching us by virtue of our actions, how we say things, what we do, the things we don't do. Right. Because this society is always more visual than anything else because we're taking our cues visually Mm -hmm. for what it is Mm -hmm. that we see and we're taking our cues from what we hear right. as much as anything else. So it's been it's been an amazing journey, something that I, I never expected to do. Not a not for one second. Not one second. Well, I'm, I thank you so much, Mr. Allen, for sharing your story. I mean, that just inspired me, and I'm so happy that we get to kick off 2023 with this episode because it's going to definitely lay the foundation for all of our listeners and everybody who's probably questioning, should I write the book? Should I start the podcast? Mm -hmm. Should I make the website? Should I start my coaching business? Just go and do it guys. Like life is so short and you don't have time to wonder what if, just like you said, but also you never know who's connected to your life. Like um, Mr. Allen said, there's always somebody watching you. And so maybe God needs you to take a step so that the person watching you can take their step. But if you don't mm-hmm. take your step, then you hold them back. So you have to exactly. be obedient because you, you're not going to see the full picture, but you just have to know and trust God that it's for a reason why he's calling you to do that. And he doesn't call the qualified. <laughs> he never called. He qualifies those that he calls. Yes. <laughs> I love and it. I, I, I'm I'm a witness because hey, trust me when I tell you, Miss Jordan. Yes. I was not qualified to do this, yes. but in the process of this seven years, he has qualified me. I I, I still scratch my hair, the gray hair I got up here. I still yes. scratch it. I'm like, I don't know how did this happen. I, I still say that, and even now I have other people asking me help. Why help? I'm like, <laughs> okay, when did I become a coach of sorts? I'm like, wait. <clears throat> What, what what happened here? Yeah. And they're like, well, you wrote three books, so you got to know something. Well, yeah, I, I do, but I keep thinking, what's happened in the seven-year period that's gotten me to this point? And I just shake my head, and I just think sometimes, you know what, God? Our- sometimes when you do something, it just really should leave all of us just shaking our head and just thinking, man, yes, only you could do this because uh, I can't do it on my own. I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm just telling you. Yes, the Lord, it's not supposed to make sense. I think that one of my pastors did a whole sermon on that. It's not ever, when it don't make sense, that's when you know it's the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Yes. I can attest to that because none of this has made sense for me. I'm still, I'm still shaking my head as to how I got to this point. And now I'm actually part of three other gentlemen. We do a radio show here in our city called AJDW Conversation. We've been doing that for now three years. Uh-huh. Uh, four black men. We come from four different walks of life, four different religious backgrounds, but we've been coming together every Sunday afternoon just to discuss life, our walk with the Lord, uh, the Christian faith, spirituality, things of that nature. And this is year three. Uh-huh. And we have, through our podcast, built up the listenership to about I think over 100,000 listeners in three years, which is still mind-blowing. But it's also tapping into my writing side because we have a closing comment section every week. Uh-huh. And so I stepped up and I said, well, you know, let me try that. So each show that we close out, I have to close it out with a theme that's built around the program, the content, and everything. So I've been doing that for about three years now. I think we've done close to 90 shows, 95 shows, somewhere in there. So it's been it's been an amazing blessing to think that we're also doing a radio show and everything. So it's it's amazing. It really is. I, I think about a lot of times about how I've gone on this journey with God and a lot of time I'm just I got my eyes closed and just got my hand in his hand and say, okay, I don't, I don't know where we're going, but I'm just going to trust you. And Amen. He's led me into arenas. I'm just like, 
what in the world is all this? What is going on here? Yes. It's working. Yes. And you shared your radio show and um, you shared the books. But if somebody wanted to connect with you any other ways, what's your social media handles? What's your website? Well, it's interesting you say that because in seven years, I've had to change. Uh Uh-huh. Because number one, I did get a website. It's uh, alantblack.com, A L A N T B L A C K.com. Mm-hmm. At 64, 65, I did join Instagram. Okay. Uh, Alan T. Black 55. Five fives a year I was born, so everybody would know that. <laughs> so it, it's been amazing. I've done the Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I've got my website. And you know, that's really about that growth mm-hmm. where you have to push beyond the barriers that you kind of self-impose right? and you start doing things different. Uh, three years ago, someone said Instagram. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Right. So, but my social media person here, Martine Corte, uh-huh. told me, she said, you got to join the 21st century. It's just as simple. She said, you can't, it's not 1990 and she said she wasn't being mean. She was just being honest. Right, and I right. thought about, I said, you know, she's right. I have to, I have to have a website because of an author or any kind of business that you're running right. in 2022, 23, your website yes. validates who you are. Yes. It gives you credibility. That's just the way it is. You have to be on the social media. So I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Facebook. I've got the website. Uh, three years ago, somebody told me I'd be doing these kind of interviews, having the honor of speaking with somebody such as yourself. I'd have been like, are you serious? I can't do this. But, you know, in the process of your growth and your walk with the Lord, that transformation means that you start taking on new assignments right. that you didn't see yourself doing, but you just said, okay, right. I'm going to give it a shot and let's see what happens. Okay. And so... I've always had that spirit in me, that drive, I think, from my grandmother that we're going to press on through this. We're not going to stop. Right. If I get knocked down, I've got to be resilient and get back up and keep getting back in the game. I've always had this attitude that, you know what, it's like a baseball game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to bat, and I may strike out 100 times, but you know what? At least I took my turn at bat. Yes. Yes. That's it. When I take my last breath, I'm going to say, you know what? I may not hit the home run, but I want it. But, man, I took every swing I could just to make sure I had my shot at the at the yeah. big prize. That's I'm right. going down swinging. And, I mean, you gave us so many gems. I, I don't even have no, no other questions. I really don't have nothing to say. I mean, I think that you gave our audience a lot to remember about life, about living it to the fullest, about trusting God, about being obedient even when it doesn't make sense. Um, and that age doesn't define your success or where you should be or your capabilities at all, especially when you have God. So, I just, I don't know how to thank you enough for being on the show. It was an honor for me to have you, (laughs) to have you on the show and and teaching the audience and also getting them ready for this new year. I just want to thank you for taking time out tonight and, and talking to everybody. And I'm so excited to share this with my audience because I know they're going to love it and they're going to love you. So thank you, Mr. Black. Thank you again. It's been my honor. Uh, If I can close with just one story that's really become thematically something that's really important to me. It's really a lesson I learned from my father, Miss Jordan. Okay. It, it talks about the story of Peter walking on the water. And Peter went to walk on the water, and of course he sank. Yes. But my yes. father told me, he said, we're going to flip this, because he said, guess what? Peter got out of the boat, and he started to walk on the water. Right. What were the other disciples doing? Probably in the boat. They were still in the boat. He said, you know what? You can't walk on the water if you don't get out of the boat. Right. The point he was making is the boat, for a lot of us, is a place of safety. A place of safety. That's a place where we know we're comfortable, where we know everything around us. We know all our surroundings. He said, but when you get out of the boat and you start walking on the water, you're you're going into uncharted areas. Right. 
whereby you're going to be tested, you're going to be refined, you're going to be changed. And he said, point blank, that's the real essence of finding out who you are and what you're all about, is the fact that you're not going to sit in that boat and be safe. Right. You're going to get out of that boat and walk on the water and see what happens. So he, he was always teaching me, he said, you know what? Don't worry about the boat. The boat will always be there. When are you going to take your turn to walk on the water and find out what it's really all about? I love that. That's one of my favorite Bible stories. That and when they were on the boat and the storm was coming and Jesus was asleep and they had to wake him. Like, that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. stories. So thank you. I'm, I'm going to always remember that. Um, I have learned thank so you. much from you, not just the audience, but I'm sitting here learning. I'm soaking up all this wisdom because I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love well, it. Trust me, it's wisdom from uh, hard knocks and from learning how to do things the right way after doing it wrong for so many years. And now I'm like, oh, okay, God, I get it now. I see what you meant. And I'm sure God is thinking, well, it took you long enough. <laughs> Don't he always? <laughs> yeah. Like, I told you this years ago, but you so hard hit, you didn't want to listen. And I'm thinking, yeah, God, you're right. You're right. You're right. I saw you're right. you. And under, and under my breath, I'm saying, I hate when you write. I just hate when you write because you're always right. About everything. About everything. About everything. But Jesus, you cut me some slack. I know I messed up, but he forgives me. Right. And he's long suffering because, man, if he has suffered dealing with me, then I know he can deal with a whole lot of other people. Trust me. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much, love. Um, Thank you for sharing how we can get in contact with you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you for spending time with us. We shall stay in contact um, throughout time, definitely. And uh, thank you for sharing yourself with my audience. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Miss Jordan. I look forward to us getting together again real soon. Yes. Take care. As always, thank you for tuning in to Resilience by Faith podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and like, share, and support. That's the best way to help me reach more people around the world. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye.